Welcome to Brave. Be inspired by the best leaders of Southeast Asia tech. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. I'm Jeremy Ao, a VC, founder, and father. Mondays for no BS commentary on the latest startup news with Shui and Co, managing partner of Hustle Fund. Thursdays for in-depth interviews of changemakers across the region, sharing about the highs and lows of their lives. Join us and over 10,000 subscribers at www.bravesea.com for transcripts, analysis, and community. Hey, Shiyan, another week, another episode. And I think this week, what I realized was that everybody was talking to me about layoffs. So speaking to one sales rep, and he was very much like, oh, I don't know whether I'll keep my job. I'm staying for health insurance. Another person was like, oh, at Facebook slash Meta was like, I did not get laid off, but I may get laid off after CNY. So a lot of conversation about that. So I figured this would be a good conversation. What do you think about this topic? I mean, way to start us off on a depressing note, Jeremy. You know, business cycles, boom and bust. And uh, maybe if you're kind of relatively new to the workforce, you've only experienced the boom. But I'm old enough to experience the 08 financial crisis. And I was in college during the 01 internet bubble. So lots of friends got laid off. Do you want to talk personal finance? Like you should have an emergency fund. Or you want to talk like, how do you get a new job and network for that? Which direction do we want to take the conversation? So many ways we can go for it. Well, I mean, you, just last week you say, you know, like you need to stare reality in the face. And then you're like, the reality is layoffs, right? It's neither depressing or whatever. It's boom and bust. And, you know, I think what was interesting was like, yeah, I think there's been, always been recessions, right? There's a recession almost every eight years. It's inevitable that a startup will go through boom and bust. It's also inevitable, honestly, that as an employee, you're going to go through recessions where I have layoffs are happening. And I was just thinking to myself, like, in Southeast Asia, this might be the first generation ever to face tech layoffs, right? Because tech industry didn't exist 10 years ago. So, you know, it's actually kind of like been a beautiful spring and summer. And now I think autumn's happening. You know, you always have these cycles where when things are growing and money is flowing freely, people commit to really high growth numbers. They hire up to try to hit those growth numbers. And there's this period of time where you probably have more people than you might need in that moment because you're trying to hire ahead to hit that growth. And then when the slowdown comes and you have to start making cuts because either the next round of funding is going to be there or you didn't hit the number you thought you were going to hit or both, people will start kind of pulling back. And, you know, we saw this, the financial institutions experience this all the time. So you'll see bankers, the banks will hire up and lay off, things like that. So it's not just tech. And so the 08 crisis, the 01 internet bubble, I think, those were all sort of notable periods of time where people got laid off. Just because you got laid off is not a commentary on your worthiness as a human being. Maybe try to think about it as a little bit of a silver lining, like an opportunity to kind of like reflect, think about, was this the best job for me? Are there other opportunities I would prefer to pursue? And I think historically, recessions or times where people get laid off is actually a period of great creativity where people are like, oh, well, I finally have the time to do the thing that I wanted to do and people start tinkering and their friends might've gotten laid off too. So they get to start tinkering with their friends and start building things. And so that's something also that you kind of see people doing, but 
I've seen a lot of these posts recently on LinkedIn where they say, hey, I was affected by the meta layoffs. I was affected by whatever layoffs, you know, hashtag, fill in company name, layoffs. This is kind of the role I'm looking for. So I think the positive thing is that it's not a shameful thing. Everyone's going through it. And so you can be a lot more open about saying, hey, I'm looking for a new role and reaching out to your network, not just the immediate people you talk to most, but your weaker ties as well, because they're the ones most likely to generate new opportunities for you. I think what's interesting is that what you said is true. And I think everyone's expected that for early stage and even middle stage startups, right? They're in growth mode because, you know, everybody knows that startups are risky. But I think what's different is that for big tech, right? It's very much like these like global domination, right? Doesn't stop hiring, great benefits, talks about mission and culture and keeping everybody. And then suddenly people are getting cut regardless of tenure. So I think that's the big difference, right? Um, I think there's a different flavor to that. I think if you talk to buyers of technology, right, they're all looking for ways to shrink their budgets. So whether it's SaaS, whether it's ad spend, all of these things. And so that has a trickle on effect. There was an Airbnb podcast or interview where they talked about how, you know, early in the pandemic, they had to figure out how to grow without doing performance marketing, which is something they'd relied on a lot. And so they leaned into community and they actually found that that did even better than when they had always just been relying on performance marketing. And so who does that impact? Impacts Facebook, Instagram, Google, like everyone that they had been buying ads from. And then you talk to CFOs and they're all like, yeah, I'm going through line by line all my SaaS spent. Like where did these hundred extra seats of Salesforce licenses come from? You know, I think there's a sort of domino effect and people aren't immune to that. And so, yeah, you were printing money before. You're probably still making okay money. But at the end of the day, people still have to report to shareholders. And if shareholders are seeing contractions across the board, and you're continuing with all your like ridiculous benefits. There's some hedge fund guy who's like, oh, Google didn't cut enough. You know, they did cut another like 20,000 people or something. But I don't think being a great business makes you immune to layoffs. Sadly, this is our capitalistic world that we live in. Yeah, it was interesting to see this financial analysis I was looking at. And one thing they were looking at was that for a 5% reduction in workforce, they think that it will translate to a 3 to 5% improvement in the bottom line, the EBITDA for public big tech companies. And these analysts were like cheering them on. They were like, this is great. This is the best thing happening. And so it was kind of interesting, right? It was like literally like this like fancy finance dinner. And everyone's like cheering on the layoffs. And then in back of my head, I'm like, you know, I just sat down with a bunch of engineers who are like really concerned about their jobs. And one person had been laid off, right? You know, I think that's the duality, I think, of the market. Those guys will cheer until they get laid off. And then maybe they'll remember that they shouldn't share so much for other people's misfortunes. I know, right? Investors were like, this is a great time. Time to start buying some tech stock soon in the coming months after all the layoffs are done. And the earning reports are in actually as well. I thought it was interesting because I was actually reading a report and Jeffrey Pfeiffer, who writes about power and about managers, he was commented and he said, you know, I think basically, I think it was like The Verge was like, why is everybody cutting if the core requirement for technology stocks is to grow, right? You know, And then he was basically saying, maybe people are cutting just because other people are cutting. So they're not necessarily thinking through it. And his argument is that actually, if you cut, it actually lowers your future performance of the company as well, right? And I thought it was an interesting debate, actually, especially in the comments to be like, yeah, you got to cut because there's so much fat. And then the other people who are like, well, if you're cutting, you're losing your ability to fight and stay ahead. And here's Jerry Pfeiffer was kind of saying, Actually, maybe companies are just following each other, like a crowd you know, mechanism. Like if they are firing, we must fire. Or if they are firing, maybe we now have the opportunity to fire. So I thought it was an interesting 
debate. It is one of those things, though, that hiring can get out of hand. So if you think about like yourself, let's say you're a founder, you're 50 people, you know every single person. You're 100 people. You probably still know everyone, right? But imagine that you're running like a 10,000 person organization. It is quite possible that there are parts of your organization that hired random people that are not productive. And then those people hired people. And so I don't think most corporations are running around at 100% perfectly optimized every moment. And they probably shouldn't, right? That's kind of not, you don't have the redundancies. And so then the question is like, how far off are you? And when you do have an opportunity or you have external pressure from your board or shareholders to show that you are aware of the upcoming contraction or whatever, are you doing anything? But cutting is bad for morale because it makes everyone else look around and say, wait, am I next? Do I need to start interviewing? And that might go with, you know, Jeffrey Pfeiffer's thing is like, yeah, that slows down your own org. So you thought you were cutting to become leaner, but actually you slowed down your org because all these people are distracted and worried for their jobs. And then if the recovery comes faster than you expected, you're not well positioned to capitalize on it. But I was reading about I think it was an Indian startup that said, hey, we're not going to cut anyone, but we're going to reduce salaries across the board, like shared pain with the execs taking a bigger cut. But then everyone started arguing about why they shouldn't get cut and started interviewing and leaving anyway. So there's this myth of like collective responsibility, but people actually just want to look out for themselves. So it's a hard thing. You know, it reminds me of uh, this conversation I had and it was like, was it Netflix? But they were like, Every startup says like, hey, we are family. And then I think there's a company, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, you know, family doesn't fire. It's Netflix. It's their culture deck. Yeah, the culture deck, right? So it's like, we don't call ourselves family because it sets the wrong expectations. Like we're employees and we're here to make money and create content, which is, I think, a big reminder and I think a big shock, right? I think their analogy is that they're a sports team because they're always trying to get the best player in a position. And obviously sports seems a little bit more mercenary than family. They're trying to win. But yeah, your job is your job. And uh, I don't know, is it too cynical? Like you just can't expect anyone to really take care of you. Unless it's the government, I suppose. You're channeling some Jordan Peterson energy there. Go like, you know, you got to take care of yourself. I think there's the gap, right? It's like all these startups are saying the family, big tech, especially, right? The benefits, et cetera. And now we're kind of like hitting that sports team or, you know, we're cutting. I think one thing I question I got twice actually over the past month was, is it possible to keep my job or should I start looking in advance? Like, uh, so I think that's kind of like that question. What do you think? How replaceable are you? I guess try to put yourself in your manager's shoes or your manager's manager's shoes. Like, are you like essential? Are you pretty replaceable? Are you working on something where the revenue is really far out? Are you really close to current revenue? So, I mean, I think you have to take a step back and try to see yourself in the context of an organization and Working hard doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're safe from being fired if the business is doing really terribly. But I think this is why you need to have a backup plan. You need to have an emergency savings fund. All of these things, you want to provide a little bit of insurance or cushion for yourself. Don't live paycheck to paycheck. Continue to like build your network, talk to people, be aware of what's out there. But yeah, I don't think anyone's immune. Also, not to be depressing, but just because someone has done one layoff doesn't mean that they won't do more. Because I think what people find is they might not have cut deeply enough in the first round of layoffs, and then they find themselves having to do more, which of course is terrible for morale. Yeah, definitely heard some horror stories, right, where folks have taken out large mortgages, they bought a car or some other large expense, and now they're kind of caught in that dynamic where they're really worried about losing their job because, you know, it's just not tenable as expense. 
and I don't know, I don't think there's a good answer. I mean, my advice to them has been very much like just proactively cut and then kind of go from there. You always get it back later if you can. But I think that's easier to say than to do, right? And especially for mortgage, like, that's a big tough one to take a big L loss on there. So how do folks find a new job? You know, I was talking to a headhunter and she was like just saying like, wow, the market just turned from I could hardly find anybody to being swamped with candidates for very few jobs, right? So I think that's an interesting dynamic where I'm not sure how to advise folks on finding their next opportunity other than talk to all the headhunters and recruiters that they can. So what would you recommend for someone who is potentially needing to find a job soon? What would you recommend them to do? I would just try to tell everyone you know what you're looking for. So I think some people feel like Paise, they don't want to say anything, but actually you need to, a lot of opportunities aren't on websites. You're not going to find them because you saw some job posting. People find out because they're there they know about it and they can let you know. And so you need to tell people what you're looking for and try to be as specific as possible. I'm looking for a role in this kind of size company that has this type of responsibilities. Not like I need a job, like nobody knows what that means, right? Like, how are they going to think about it? And you want to be top of mind for them. So letting people know you're looking and that you're open and you know you want to explore stuff, I think that helps to keep you top of mind so that when they do see something, they send it your way. And ask them to ask their friends too, because generally these opportunities don't emerge from your first degree connections. It's generally second and third degree connections that wind up bringing opportunities to your attention. Is it awkward to tell your friends that you're potentially looking and because, you know, you might kind of get many hits up, right? You kind of know it could be coming down the pipe. I think most folks kind of know it's potentially happening. How would you recommend someone to start that stealth search? I mean, they can't do it on WhatsApp. You know, I think a lot of folks are scared about, I don't know, triggering their current managers, right? <laughs> or letting them know that there's such going on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's more probably just when you like one-on-one -on -one talk to people, right? Where you're like, hey, I'm starting to look around. I'm not definitely going to leave, but you know, I've been at this role for X number of years. You know, I'm kind of curious what else is out there. Have you heard of anything? And don't tell your blabbermouth friend. Tell your more discreet friends. But also I think the process of saying things out loud will also help you refine in your head what you're looking for. Because if you haven't looked for a job in a while, it feels a bit foreign. And then you also have grown in responsibility since the last time you were looking for a job. And so part of it is just like fact-finding, understanding what's going on, who's hiring, whose businesses are doing well. And you kind of want to do that when you have time and not when you're under the gun because you've just been laid off and you don't think you could make your next mortgage payment or whatever it is. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of stress involved with that because of the stigma. Like you said, it should be less stigmatized because so many people are going through it simultaneously. But also like still... Just because you can tell someone that lots of people are going through it doesn't mean that their internal reality is like there, right? And I think I was reading the statistic about like how suicide and depression like doubles or triples during this time because of like this combination, like you said, right? Mortgage or the job and loss of identity. So what's the light at the end of the tunnel for folks who are transitioning? How do you see that? I think most people in tech are very capable. So it might not be your dream job, the next job, but... And it might not be something you would imagine yourself doing. Like maybe you were like a big company person and you find yourself at a smaller company, but you can think of that as an opportunity to kind of like grow your skill set. Or you're like a startup person who was like, I'm never going to work for the man or, and you don't want to take like a title deflation or a, you don't want to feel like you're going sideways. But I think there's opportunities to learn in these environments as well. Or maybe you decide like, Hey, maybe it's time to work for myself and control my own destiny. And you have an opportunity to like 
explore new technologies or new products you've been wanting to build. You know, one of my friends is thinking of leaving his job and he was saying to me, I thought I would be sad, but I'm actually excited because I've had this backlog of products I've been wanting to build. And now I feel like I can give myself permission to start playing around with these ideas. So I don't know how uplifted you feel by this, Jeremy, but that's all I got for you on that front. Well, I like what you said, right? Is that if you're in tech and got laid off or you're potentially getting laid off, you're probably at the best position out of all occupations to find a new job, even though it's a bad season for you. Because, you know, you and I were discussing, right? Like designers, right? So many designers are going to lose their jobs or have to retrain or reskill because of, you know, generative AI, right? Replacing their jobs. So many copywriters are going to redo their jobs as well. So that's an interesting piece where if you have the right tech mindset and you're like tech savvy, there's a chance that you can stay on top of these tools, right? So I think that's probably like the best occupational training for you to stay afloat. But the flip side of that is like, how do you prepare for some of this stuff is try not to put yourself in a position where, you know, losing your job makes you totally hosed. And so I used to work in personal finance. We tell people to have six months of emergency savings and to try and not kind of blow everything on big things that are kind of beyond you. Because I think the other thing that happens is that your lifestyle always can grow more expensive. Like once your lifestyle becomes more expensive, it's harder to dial it back, right? Versus like your lifestyle is like pretty conservative and then like you occasionally give yourself a splurge, but you don't kind of lock yourself into that higher spend. But I think light at the end of the tunnel, I think one piece I do think about is that I think that the Fed is going to stop raising interest rates in the middle of this year, earlier this year. I think that's what the market is starting to price in. And if that happens, I think there will be a little bit of a breather. And I think layoffs should slow down a little bit as people digest the news. So I think if you survive this year with your job, you're in a somewhat decent spot for next year. So that's what one light of at the end of the tunnel could be. I don't know what you think, Shuyen. I feel like you always want to feel like you have agency. And it feels crappy that someone else is holding your fate in their hands. Whether it's Jerome Powell or your boss or whatever. And so... I don't want to be like, hey, if you keep your job, you're probably safe if you make it through the year. Like, I think maybe it's just a good reminder on people to like stay nimble and stay networked and keep trying to build your skills because that's the thing that's going to help you figure it out. And also that you can do it. People have an incredible amount of ingenuity inside them and it often doesn't really show itself until they're challenged. So use this opportunity to challenge yourself. You just reminded me of the comic where it's like, the light at the end of the tunnel. Is that an exit or is that a train coming, right? <laughs> wow, it's a tough one. And I think I agree with you about, it's really about the mindset, which is that, you know, a job is a job and, you know, you just got to stay afloat, right? And all these macro stuff that's happening in the news is really out there. But at the end of the day, it's your job, your family, your salary. And like you said, you got to network and you just need one job, right? And you just need to manage the budget. And I think all the other stuff, all the news about the war, the inflation, the interest rates, like it's almost like non-controllable, right? You know what I mean? And I think that's the big part. It's like, you know, I think people's like emphasize like internal locus of control. You can control everything, you know? And then I think there's a good advice to be like, you can control what you can control and everything else is this background, right? Any thoughts about what managers could do during this time? So, you know, there are a lot of managers who are somewhere in between, right? So I actually talked to another manager and he's like, okay, I let go one person on the team and I think my job is safe, but how do I maintain my humanity, right? I guess. I don't think he said it that way, but 
I think that's what I kind of got for the conversation. Like, how would you recommend managers who are also dealing with the possibility of layoffs, but also having to conduct layoffs? Any advice on how to be a human? Just think about how you'd want to be treated in that scenario, right? But I mean, the reality of it is like, look, when you tell someone you're laying them off, they're in shock. They can't like process tons of information. So you kind of want to keep everything really clear. So I think sometimes what happens is you feel bad about doing the layoff. So you say this very unclear, long-winded thing. And then the person's like, huh, do I have a job? What's happening? I would just recommend being really clear about what's happening. There's a layoff going off the company. Unfortunately, you're one of those impacted. This is your severance package. And I know this is probably like a lot to digest. If you want to go home and not talk to your colleagues right now, you can come back to the office another day and pick up your stuff or we can send it home for you, right? So like, it's very clear what's happening. You don't have a job. Here's your package. Do you want to go home or you want to grab your stuff and go? And the one thing you have to be concerned about with a layoff is, are they going to like cause a scene? Because then you don't want to let them go back to your desk. You want to send them their stuff. Because if they cause a scene, then that creates like a bigger issue for you and everyone who's left. But... And you can say stuff like it's through no fault of your own. Because people are always like, what did I do? Could I have done anything to change the outcome, right? And you kind of want to just be like, no. And you don't want to get into a debate. But I think just trying to be like simple and direct and straightforward. And then don't be a robot, right? Be like, hey, man, it sucks. I know. And you can offer like after the fact, right? Which is like, hey, I'm happy to provide a reference for you. I'm sure you're going to land on your feet, whatever it is, like these sorts of things. But just think about how you'd want to be treated. Well, that's a tough one, right? Which is, I find managers really struggle to be as clear as possible, for sure. And I think it's a tough position for folks, right? On that note, any personal stories of folks that you know who got laid off and then figured it out afterwards? Feel free to share maybe some counterexamples as well if you have them. But, you know, I'm just kind of curious if any stories. I know a lot of folks who got laid off. And honestly, like, tech people are incredibly capable. So... Some of them took the opportunity to be like fun employed for six months. And they're like, hey, I was pretty burnt out anyway. I'm going to take some time off before I start looking for a new job. Or they take the time to like go learn something new. Like, hey, I've been really interested in AI, but I never had a chance to play with it in my job because I was so busy. I want to go spend time building some projects. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people I know who were laid off in that moment, it was like the worst thing ever. But then if you kind of look at where they wound up, they did great. There was like a bunch of junior members on my team that were caught up in a layoff. One of them is like CFO of a unicorn now. That's what I'm saying. Like the layoff's not about you, right? It's not a judgment on you. It's like, and so don't take it to heart. Instead, like, you know, and I know this is really hard. It's like, think of an opportunity to say like, hey, how can I actually use this event to try new things and explore new opportunities? But yeah, I mean, I probably know hundreds of people who've been laid off. In fact... The founder of my startup, NerdWallet, was laid off in the 08 financial crisis. And that's how he started NerdWallet. Wow, that's a great story. Let's go into that. That's pretty much it. He got laid off. He was working at a hedge fund. And he started like writing code on the side. So it was kind of like his little side project. But he was still interviewing for other hedge fund jobs. And then he was like, oh, maybe something's happening here. <laughs> and then he decided to go full time on it. But, you know, he was a portfolio manager. I don't think he thought he was going to be a startup founder. It's just kind of something he stumbled into. On that note, if there's one piece of advice you give folks, what would that be as we wrap up this episode? Don't be shy. I think people are always shy to us for help. Don't be shy. Just ask. And you kind of never know what's going to come up. So like thick skin a little bit, right? Lampijo, just go and ask. It's fine. And most people want to help you. Assuming that you're not an asshole, most people want to help you. So don't be shy about it. 
I think if for my advice would be a job's a job, right? It's not your identity. It's not your family. It's not your happiness. It's not your hobby. And so you are so much more than it. A job feeds you and you create value at a job. And that's that, right? That's the transaction. And I think you can continue those relationships with your colleagues even after the job is done. And you can still do business with them again, probably. Who knows down the road, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. So keep the long game going on the business side. Don't burn bridges on the way out because the world is small and tech is even smaller. And at the same point, the short game is just focusing yourself, right? And your own humanity and things will sort out from there. As long as, and the caveat is, you don't have a very expensive mortgage that you don't know how to unwind. And you're likable. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we're like, let me add all the caveats. You didn't do it something illegal. You didn't do something unethical. You're in a stable country with good internet. Oh my God, yes. All right, thanks. Cool. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this episode with friends and colleagues. Sign up at www.jeremyow.com to discuss this episode with other community members in our forum. Stay well and stay brave.